Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello. Hello, hello. This is Tom. Hi, how are you? Good, Lisa. How are you doing? Good, thanks. You want to try FaceTime? Sure. Um, I have a Doberman, um, four years old, uh, male, neutered, um, well-trained for me. Um, you know, sit, come, stay, wait. Uh, good on a leash. Uh, loves people. He's very big. He's 122 pounds and there's not an ounce of fat on him. Um, he is dog reactive. Um, and it really wasn't a problem up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, first of all, he lives with Evie. Um, she's a lab shepherd rescue. Uh, she's six years old and she's been with him, you know, ever since he came, he came to us as a puppy at eight weeks. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we also had my son's dog. Um, now, and he, my son's dog's name is Max. He's been with Max before. Um, again, he's known Max since he was a puppy. And they were out in an enclosed area, in a fenced-in area. Donzi is also trained to an invisible fence. He's been trained to an invisible fence since he was 16 weeks old, and he's never breached it. Um, they were out in an enclosed area. And there was some kind of tussle over a ball. It was not a brawl. It was not a fight. Nobody got hurt. I don't believe anybody got bitten. Um, but after that, he was out for Max. Um, and interestingly enough, he turned it on Evie also. Um, we immediately separated them. They were separated for two weeks. So Evie and Max were together. Um, Donzi was, you know, not with them. Uh, we brought Max back to my son this past Sunday, um, and now Donzi is fine with Evie. However, Max comes here quite often, and there will be periods of time where he'll be staying with us, you know, for two weeks, three weeks when my son travels overseas for work. How do I reintroduce them? What I would do is bring them out for structured group walks with each other. So you get okay. you get them all on leash and you go for walks in neutral territory. So instead of throwing them into the backyard or the house where they can have conflict or more potential conflict, okay. yeah, you'd get them all on leashes and you'd bring them for for walks around the neighborhood, and then you would slowly integrate them back in to the house. Um, that's the way that you would reintroduce them. Okay. Um, okay. Now my, and, and it, a lot of this is my fear also, like I said, Donzie's a really big dog and the other two dogs are, you know, they wouldn't have a chance against him. His aggression is, uh, and this is just my opinion because I've seen it. It's fear aggression. Um, it doesn't matter because the end result is, is the same. He's kind of like, I'm going to kill you before you kill me. Um, but I'm afraid of somebody getting hurt is what it is because he reacts very quickly and he is very big and he's very strong. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a normal fear to have. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I, I don't think, um, 
so he hasn't uh, he hasn't gone after Max and actually done anything to him, right? No, he hasn't had the chance. Not not really. If he, in other words, if he was really going for him, he he could do it. Um, I just don't want them to get into a brawl because Max wouldn't have a chance. Right. Yeah. Understood. Um, yeah. So that's that's how you would reintroduce them uh, to answer your question. Is you would bring them all outside on walks, and it may take um, it may take some time. I mean, if Max is going to stay with you guys, excuse me for um, a good period of time, then there's no rush. There's no reason to rush. Uh, what you do is you bring them out for walks. And then you would separate them maybe in the house okay, and kind of like watch their behavior towards one another and see uh, if there's any tension between them. <laughs> Excuse me. See if there's there, any. There is. There is. They were behind gate. They were behind a gate. My yeah. two dogs were in one area or Evie and uh, Max were in one area and Donzie was in the other area. And when Donzie came over to the gate, Max would do like a low growl at him. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's not good. You know, mm -hmm. Donzie's not going to put up with that either. He doesn't know what's coming. Um, so is it both of them that need to be reconditioned or? Yeah, they, they would both have to. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like a, a fight. Like if there was one guy that was like, hey, I don't want to fight. But the other guy is like, I'm still going to try to punch you in your face. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. because it's still going to happen. So they would both have to mutually be um, okay with each other before you let it progress. But there's okay. also there's also a chance where they they may never be the same again. Uh, that happens. Um, I would also make sure that you eliminate any uh, risk of them becoming protective over certain items. Right. We put all the toys away and Good. everything like that because. You know, I mean, it, normally they don't love each other, but they peacefully coexist. Right. I mean, even Evie and Donzie, they don't love each other, but they peacefully coexist. And Evie and Donzie have never had an argument or anything like that. They just kind of exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. The best thing to do is to get them out and kind of be the peacemaker between them and say, hey, you guys are arguing with one, one another or you're, you're having conflict uh, with one another. What we're going to do is we're going to go out for a walk and you're going to just behave yourself. And that will kind of force them to have that relationship t together. But again, okay. if the, you know, there's, there's a personality that, that comes into play too, like a dog's personality or a dog's, um, just thoughts of, you know, not liking something is, is unchangeable sometimes. Uh, that's yeah. just how it goes. But what you can do is, is again, do everything you can to try to get them back to where they were. And I think, okay. um, keeping them separated is a good idea, uh, just to make sure that, uh, if they do have an altercation, at least, uh, you know, there's a good opportunity for them to just have a little fight between the fence. Uh, but I I've seen it go either way. I've seen it go dogs get into a fight and they're never the same again. And I've seen it where they get into a fight and then they go back to where they were. Um, okay. But it's really on their terms, unfortunately, because it's how they feel about one another. And you can't change that. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, his his reactivity, he, when I think I know where his reactivity to other dogs, I think I know where it stems from. We, when he was about four or five months old, um, which I guess is their fear time, socially fear, formative fear time. We're in the vet's office, and somebody had terriers, little terriers, on a retractable leash. Mm -hmm. 
and the re- you know she wasn't watching the retractable leash and one of them came around and it nipped Donzi in the leg. There was no blood drawn, no medical care needed, anything like that. But after that, it was over as far as other dogs were concerned with him. And I walk him in the city. Um, and for the first probably about year and a half, he, he would just see another dog. The dog could be two blocks ahead of us and he would see it and he would just lose it, absolutely lose it. He doesn't do that anymore. He's actually very good as long as I'm on one side of the street and the dog's on the other side of the street. But what I have noticed is when we pass the dog, the hair goes up mm-hmm. on, on, on his back. Um, he, he no longer reacts. However, there's been a few times where people have had their dog off leash and the dog comes running after him. Luckily, it's not been a vicious dog, but he absolutely loses it. Um, is there anything I can do to help him with that? With off leash dogs trying to attack him? No, 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 no. I know I can't do anything about that. <laughs> and they weren't, they're not, a, they didn't, it wasn't a vicious dog and the dog did, wasn't coming over to attack, oh. but it was just the dog approaching him and he absolutely loses it. I mean, the dog could want to come up and give him a big old kiss and right. he would still go crazy. Yeah, it's, it's tough because I think for, from a dog standpoint, they don't see the difference between a dog coming up to um, hurt them versus a dog coming up to want to play. I think it puts a dog uh, on leash in a very vulnerable situation. It makes them very insecure and nervous about what's happening. So um, the best thing to do in in my experience has been do everything you can to obviously ward off the other dog. But there's a situation, there's a, there's a time frame where you, you know, it's not going to happen. Like you either get out of Dodge and you move away and you avoid the situation cleanly or if you know if you're out for a walk with your dog and another dog is approaching uh, fastly and you know there's no person in sight and you know that these guys are about to connect, yeah. the best thing to do is to just do everything you can to make it a good experience. You know, so you say the dog's name and you say, hey, who's this? It's our friend. Hi. And you just, I mean, I've had to do that several times myself where I've been with dogs that are, you know, neutral or semi-friendly, but not super playful. And another off-leash dog will approach to try to be friendly or at least try to investigate who the other dog is. And you just have to basically try to be the medium of like, Hey, hi, who are you? We're friends. Who's this? And you just have to play it off where, um, because I think you have, again, you know, multiple options, get out of there, but sometimes that's not realistic. You're in the middle of the street instead of jump, you know, you'd have to jump on somebody's car to get out of the situation. But I think, uh, the best thing to do is, you know, try to ward the dog off, uh, if you can, but sometimes it's inevitable. And so it, it's really a, a discretionary decision that you'll have to make that is going to be predicated off of the other dog's behavior. So if another okay. dog is charging aggressively and uh, unfriendly, then do everything you can to try to get the dog away from your dog. But if you're if you feel like the dog is coming up to be friendly, the best situation is to kind of give your dog his space to allow him to digest this encounter with this other dog and allow him not to become protective potentially of you and kind of just throw in the white towel of like, okay, we're doing this. Uh, hi, how, how are you? Where are you from? Yeah. Okay. And, and <laughs> okay. You, you know, you just play it off and, and I've yeah. done it both ways where I'm like, okay, this is a, like some dogs won't commit all the way where they kind of like come up and they're hesitant and they're maybe, you know, gruffing at you like, like, who are you? And then that's where you're like, get out of here go on and you just hold your dog back and, and keep your dog in, in check. And then, and that's a easy win. 
but there's just sometimes where this dog is hauling ass after you and you really don't have that option. You right. can just like, okay, we're dumping in, we're jumping into the deep end here. And that's where you're like, well, who's this? How are you? And you just try to do that. And then, um, you know, pray that it goes well. <laughs> that's it. Okay. It's an, it's a lose lose to be honest. And it's it, the only person's fault is, is the other dog's owner's fault because, and even then sometimes, you know, you know, people make mistakes. Like I've had situations where my dog snuck out of the gate and she's out there playing with the kids and I had no idea. So, you know, sometimes, you know, shit just happens, but I think there's just a, a decision you have to make to say, okay, can I get away? Can I warn the dog off? And if those things aren't likely, then you just have to let them try to be cordial with each other in that situation. Okay. Okay. Um, but is that something that lasts with a dog that never goes away? The what? The, the reactivity to other dogs. I um, mean, you know, some dogs you can, I can take my Evie for a walk and any dog, obviously that's friendly, that what can come up to her, which I don't really like, honestly, mm-hmm. but if they're off leash, it's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And she'll be, you know, be sweet and friendly with everybody. Um, I mean, are some dogs just always reactive their entire lives or is there a way to try and turn that around? Cause it's uncomfortable for him too. I'm yeah, sure. Definitely. Definitely. It's a good question. Well, I guess I'll define the reaction. Typically the reaction for most dogs is to externally and internally react to an environmental change, which means the dog may have their hackles up. They may bark, they may lunge, they may snap, they may bite. I mean, there's a lot of different, um, external behaviors that dogs will do for reaction. So as far as like reacting, there's nothing that you can do to stop the dog from reacting. But what you can do is you can change the duration and the outcome of the behavior. Meaning it's like, does jumping into a cold lake ever get easy or unreactive? Like, no, you're always going to have that. Oh crap moment. So when you're out with a, with your dog and then all of a sudden a dog pops out of nowhere, that can be a very uh, scary thing for a dog. And so I think that initial like, Oh crap reaction isn't going to go away, but the, the, the way that the dog behaves is something that you can modify and change. Like you're never going to get the dog to be comfortable with Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the haunted house type pop out of like, Hey, I'm here all of a sudden you're never going to be able to like have your dog just almost ignore that. But what you can do is teach your dog how to work through it to change how they, um, how they behave with it. The only tricky thing with that is, is the success is going to be coming from the other dogs that you don't know. So that's the hard thing is if we said, maybe your dog was afraid of, um, people, that's something that you can semi control because you can talk to people in English. You can say, Hey, can you, you know, whatever you can say, Hey, can you approach my dog slower? Or can you just not approach my dog in general? And those are things you can desensitize. And the dog goes, Oh, you know what? Having these people around isn't so bad because you've kind of taught them how to behave around your dog. But with other dogs, you can't. So they just pop out of random places. And so your dog's initial reaction is that shock factor of getting dumped into a cold plunge of like, holy crap, what's this? What do I do? And then their Mm -hmm. first initial response is, and so I think, uh, again, like that reaction may never go away, but the the duration of them barking and and, and things like that you can control. But I also mm-hmm. would say that there is a lot of success in dogs not reacting to other more controlled dogs. So if you have the off-leash dog 
No, you can't really control how your dog handles that because it's kind of a scary thing that you can't ever recreate. Really? It's just a random thing that happens random times. But what you can control is walking past other dogs and having that reaction decrease to, you know, very minimal reaction because that's just a, that's something that you can control. Yes. And you're trying to change the way the dog perceives that information. So if you're out for a walk and there's another dog on the other side of the road, or there's another dog, uh, in a fence or something, that's something that you can work with in a, like in a semi-controlled environment. You can, that dog is controlled. It's not going to come after you. So you can say, okay, this is a good opportunity for us to work. So maybe you pass the dog and then you go back to the dog and then you pass the dog and you go back to the dog and you do it every day. And the goal is, is to help your dog emotionally handle the situation. Uh, okay. you know, and, and using the analogy that I did of like <clears throat> example for like an ice bath or a cold plunge is the first couple times you do it, it sucks. But then after you learn how to breathe and how to deal with it, uh, like meditation or yoga or anything, working out, running, once you kind of break through the threshold of this is uncomfortable, I don't like this. And then somebody helps you and coaches you through, it's okay. okay. Breathe through your nose, do this, do that. And then all of a sudden you get really good at doing things that you used to be uncomfortable with. And that could change. And it depends on, it depends on how, like bad it, how cold the water is, if you will. So it depends on how bad the dog is, because some dogs could have traumatic events. They could have PTSD. They could just hate other dogs. Their owners could be basically amping them up and firing them up to be reactive, and so it makes it harder. So, to answer your question, you can absolutely take a dog that is really leash reactive and have them not react. But you have to do it at an emotional level in the beginning for it to be sustainable. And the only problem, like I said, is just getting around those other dogs that will help you versus hurt your training. Right, right. It, now, for example, and, and I don't know if I should be doing this with him, we go pretty much the same walk every day because I know that there's not a lot of loose dogs in this in that particular area. Mm -hmm. Um, and we go by a fence and there's two dogs behind the fence. Now it's a privacy fence, so you can't see the dogs, but there's one back there. He's a big one. You can tell. And it's very interesting when we go by there, um, Donzie will, his walk completely changes. It actually looks like he's tiptoeing. Mm -hmm. And if he's been panting on the walk, he will stop panting. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't want to make any noise. And then he wants to swing out into the street. You know, and, and it's fine because it's a non-traffic street and everything. Should I force him to go by that fence or should I just let him say, OK, look, I want to go out in the street and avoid this fence because he avoids it even when the dogs aren't there now. Right. He, he, he just associates it. I mean, can I help him with that or am I hurting him by saying, look, we're going to walk by this fence or just let him go where he wants to go? That's a good question. Uh, there's like a there's this term in, in dog training called like compulsion. And it's not just in dog training, it's just in general where you force something or someone, or in this case, a dog to do something against their will. And I, and I, and I've, I've talked about this openly about like ethical compulsion versus non. So when you say force, there's, uh, what you, what you, what you want to do. And I understand what you're saying. I'm just giving you a yeah, more... force was not a good word. No, 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 no. It's fine. It is. It is. It, yes. You, both. Cause you have to do both. Cause if it's up to him, he's like, Nope, I don't want to go to school today. Yes. Not, not today. Yeah. 
I'd rather stay home and eat chicken noodle soup with mom and watch Bob Barker or whatever used to. <laughs> so my, I guess my point is, is dogs are always going to want to do. So it sounds like your dog is a little insecure. Uh, obviously, yeah, he is. All he of is. a sudden, he sees this this dog behind the fence, or he smells this dog, or he knows this dog is is about to come on their walk, and he's like, "I'm just going to avoid this situation." So again, like when you know, unethical compulsion would be dragging him through the situation tooth and nail. And he's like, I hate this. But what you can do is say, hey, we're going to do this, but I'm going to make this as enjoyable as possible for you to break down that emotional wall for you so you can gain confidence. So what that means is, is let's say a kid, like a kid is a, like a dog is afraid to, again, walk p- past a certain fence or a kid is, is afraid to, um, you know, r- walk in general. You know, my, my one-year-old's going through that right now. He thinks he can't walk and he can, he's like terrified. So you try to encourage him like, Hey man, you, you got, you, you're gonna have to walk at some point in your life. And no, I can't force you, but what I can do is encourage you, you know, stand with a lollipop over here and, and, and build that confidence. And so that's really, what you want to do is you want to put your put your female away get your male out and start breaking down those like uh fearful walls where he's like i can't do this and that's what building confidence is about and so what you can do is um do everything you can to make that little area by that fence a really enjoyable time for your dog so if that means steak chicken favorite tug toys whatever that's what it means but again, the only problem with that is, is you just have to make sure it's, it's a, it's a fair, uh, training environment for your dog. Because if the other dog is barking at the fence and lunging, then it's not fair. But I think if your dog is just like, I don't want to walk past this fence because I'm uncomfortable with it. That's okay. But you can also ha- let him hang out and soak in that area too. So you can go to the fence and stop and just don't say anything. Don't do anything. Don't ask him to do anything. You just stop in that area and you're like, hey, it's okay. Breathe. We're good. So it's it's confidence. <laughs> and that's what it is. Is it's it's like I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Oh, it's not so wow. Oh, this is not what I thought it was. So that's what that that's what that um like ethical compulsion of like I don't want to do it. And if your dog doesn't want to do it and you allow them to escape it, they're never gonna get better. But if it's a situation that you think that the dog can truly get over. And you can help them get over it with positive reinforcement and blending in, uh, dis- dis- like um, basically desensitizing the situation. Then do it. Um, and and you know one thing that's been really helpful for me in these types of situations is let's say there's that fence of like let's say to make it easy ten feet, and you start walking towards that fence and your female's back at home because you want to focus on your male. And all of a sudden you can see your dog's behavior start to, so the emo, so things start to change. Your dog's like, I don't know about this. This is a, mm-hmm. it's a big hill for me to go down. Yeah. I, I don't feel comfortable with this. So what I typically do is I'll get like a long line, like a 15 foot long line and I'll just, I'll have it hooked to the dog and I'll drop the long line and I'll just walk basically past the fence and the dog will sometimes be like, wait, where are you going? And they'll chase you essentially and with chasing they'll run past the fence and then the the key to this is you do it again you go the other way and so what he might do is he'll just go his route where he'll go around the fence and go the other way which is fine but what you do is you just start you go toward you go to the end of the fence and then you go back and you basically just sit there in this area of like hey I'm going to teach you how to breathe and handle this cold plunge area for you you're you're uncomfortable it sucks uh, but you can do this and I'm going to teach you how to do this through coaching. And that's where 
you can build that confidence with them as long as the other dog isn't a menace on the fence. Okay. Now, and, and that's what I can do when I'm out with him and we're in a certain, you know, um, situation is, are there things I can do with him at home to build his confidence? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything that he's, um, again, like fearful of or timid of or insecure of that he shouldn't be, uh, that's something that you would want to build with him. Again, it's like my son, not walking. That's a, that's, that's a fear that he has, but it's not something that's realistic. You know, if he was afraid of the Halloween things at Home Depot, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're terrified of that. And I'll get you away from that. But if you're at home and he's like, oh, I don't know about the dishwasher, or I don't know about <laughs> this bed. Um, th those are things yeah. that you can work on. So, you know, mm -hmm. things that we see in my facility if, if in general is like dogs being afraid of a place caught or an elevated bed. And they're like, I can't do this. This is the scariest thing ever. Or crate training where you uh, help a dog through crate training um, because they're fearful of it and they don't know what it is. And it's a, it's a weird sound and, and you just throw treats in there until they get comfortable with it. So at home, those are the types of things. Try to think of things that your dog is uh, fearful of or insecure about or unsure of and then basically help them through the process. It's a little engine that could. It's like, I can't do this. Okay, maybe I can. Oh, you know what? This is easy. And so that's what you want to do with all of that. Um, it's, it's all just mental. It's the same thing with humans. You just start smashing down those walls of like, this is hard. This is tough. I can't do it. And then pretty soon everything that comes at you that's hard and tough is easier. And that's what you do with your dog is you help him through the processes. But again, the caveat to that is just making sure that it's fair. That's all. Okay. Okay. And in actually purposely letting him meet new dogs where both dogs are on a leash how do you go about that or do you not do that? Um, yeah. you know, not, not just having a dog come up to you or, you know, um, just purposely meeting another dog. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, I think the answer again is, is very discretionary on the other dog because, um, it's like setting up a blind date. You're like 50% of it is you. And the other 50% is the other person that you're, you're with, right? It, like it, it takes mm -hmm. two to tango. So when you're meeting other dogs, you just have to be mindful that you're flipping a coin unless you know that the dog that you're meeting has a history of being very friendly and, and you know, the dog goes to daycare. Well, I wouldn't and, do it otherwise. I wouldn't do it yeah. otherwise. Well then, yeah. So what you would do, uh, the if you, if you were to ask me like the perfect scenario, I would say what you do is you got a friend, you got a family member. Same thing I told you about with your with your son's dog at the beginning. Yeah. You go for a walk. And what a walk does is it breaks the tension. It breaks the tension. So um, let's say you show up to your first day of work and you're nervous and you kind of got anxiety because you don't know anybody and it's a new thing and you're scared. And then somebody says, hey, you two, go over here and start putting these blocks on this wall. Boom. So you immediately have something to do you know how to do it and you're doing it naturally with the person that you were nervous to talk to next to you. And then you just naturally start building this relationship with something to do. But if you're sitting there kind of like scratching your head, it's a harder conversation okay. to start. So yep. when you go out for that walk, you are the boss 
you know, air quotes in this situation. And you just say, hey, we're going to go for the walk. And the two dogs are looking at each other like, oh, okay, we're going for a walk. Okay, great. And they get to know each other and that walk can be as, as little as five minutes to 30 minutes. Then what you do is uh, you kind of watch their body language. And if they are both very play and friendly and everything looks good, then you can say, hey, let's go back and hang out and have them play or have them meet. But if you're unsure still, the best next step is to get a chain link fence. Just get a fence, drop the leashes, have them meet uh, with the fence, and you'll be able to safely understand and know what you know their intentions are. Okay. One might walk away from the other and say, I don't really care. The other one might be snarling, and that's the next step. And then those are just two really easy filters. Go for a walk in a neutral place, and then uh, go to a chain link fence, drop the leashes, see how they do, and if they're friendly – then you then you're good okay all right good do you have any questions for him no i was thinking about what he was saying with the fears at home the only thing i think of is the step yeah and and sometimes he's good with that and sometimes we, yeah. all we have um it, it's a the, yeah this is interesting i didn't even think about this but we have a small step maybe not even six inches in height that goes from the outside door uh into the kitchen and there are some times where he won't go over it. Mm-hmm. You have to go and go with him, go to the step, go down the step, and then come back across the step with him. Um, he also, when he's on his way outside, he doesn't go straight out. He must go right. around the island. He he has some little obsessional things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's and that that sort of thing. It is fear i guess and I, he's never fallen down the step he's never done anything in the hallway i, I don't know what the thing is but um you know so we kind of let that go but um i mean is there anything i should know that you know about this that i don't i mean no, no, really my question was um <coughs> my, my question was with that step thing we did all those things and yet there are times he still is in refusal should we be doing more? I mean, it's not a big deal, but it's just an example of we, we, we you know, treats and it's okay and all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, for weeks he might be fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's stuck there again. Now we can get him over it, but he never seems to get completely over it. Yeah. It's not a big deal, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, it, it, it It's something that you can continue to work on. I would also change the, what kind of steps is it? Is it like just wood steps? It's just- one little step, one, uh, it's a, like a rise, um, you know, that's maybe four to six inches yeah. tall. How much time when you guys work on it, how much time do you spend on it? Um, we usually just go down and get him and he'll walk across with us. Yeah. So yeah, I, my recommendation on that is again, we talk about like just certain things that dogs are, are afraid of and you have to look at the ROI on it. You have to look at picking your battles of like how much of a de- how much is this part of our life? Um, but for me, yeah. but, but no, no, for- that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. The real question was more extensive. Okay. You do all the things yet. The dog still is fearful in some respects. She's outside still is fearful. You know, should we be doing more when it's really important? Yes. So that's what I was going to get into is, um, if, if it's something that is important to you guys and it is something that you want to help with, you're also only doing it every time that your dog comes in and out of that, that area. So what you should be doing is repping it out 40 times 
uh, a training session. So okay. when so so when you say, hey, we're gonna bring him in, we're gonna bring him into this area. He goes over it once. That's you've worked on it yeah. one time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Same so thing as the fence thing, whatever. Exactly. Is Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Same thing with the fence is you would go over it, go back, go over it, go back, go over it, go back. So, so instead of, you know, trying to learn how to ride a bike once a day, you would sit there and practice it as much as you can throughout the day. So you get that muscle memory in. So that's what a lot of people do is they have this one encounter or this one training scenario and it doesn't really get better because you work on it for literally a f- what, two seconds out of yep. the day. So you go yep. over it, you go back over it, you go over it, you go back over it. And so okay. that would be the next step for you guys is to really push the reps with it throughout the day. And that will help okay. that confidence. So really when we, when Max is here, it's not a matter of one walk, but it's going to be a matter Several of walks. multiple yeah. walks over multiple days. Yeah. The more you do anything guys is, is the better it's going to get, uh, you know, just like working out. It's like, if you worked out once a week versus once a day, you know, it's like, Hey, if I worked out three times a day, would I see faster results? Absolutely. So it's the same thing with training. I would get them out as often as you can, and the more mental stimulation and the more physical stimulation and outletting that you give them, they're going to be less at each other because they're going to have something to do. They're going to be less bored. Things like that are, are really helpful. Okay. All right. I think that's, I think that's it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. And I would just, no problem. I would just say like with Max and, and, and your dogs, Again, like I would, I would get the males out uh, together, and then the female. Just try to see if there's any dynamic they changes. Run, they, when they're separated, we have a fenced in area, okay, and that's exactly what we're doing. Mm. Max was inside the fence because he's not the invisible fence trained, and Don's was outside. And you know, Lisa would throw the ball, and they both be chasing. They both be chasing it, but one would be outside the fence, and one would be inside the fence. Mm-hmm. Donzie, you know, and I think that's what started this whole thing. Donzie tends to, um, there's certain things that he'll resource guard. So in other words, when, when just I have the two dogs here, if I bring home a toy, I bring home two, you know, so that each, each one has a toy and I'm not giving one toy. He also will, uh, he also will resource guard, which I don't have to worry about. All I have to do is shake a bag of food. And he goes in his crate because he knows it's time to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't, you know, I don't have to worry about that. Um, but he will resource guard certain things. Why? I don't know. Um, and we've just basically, um, I guess, worked with it, found a way around it, you know, like giving each dog a toy. And you don't go into his crate when he's eating. I mean, there's no reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does have that trait. He definitely has that trait. And I think that's what happened. They were playing with a ball and, uh, you know, one had it and the other one wanted it. And, you know, it started a a problem. Yeah. Um, And it didn't last long because I was out there. And when I heard it, by the time I turned my back, turned around, it had stopped. That's good. Yeah, that's good. You know, I I just yelled and it stopped. That's good. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of things to say about that, too. Like the intentions, they just got into a little scuffle. And now, yeah, now they it continued inside, right? Now they that's may. When, yeah. That's when Don's got snarky with yeah. Max when he would walk by and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And I think if you guys help, like right now it's kind of kinked up and now if you yeah. guys go and, and start, you know, really, uh, being the mediator there and start having them do more things together and, and doing more structured things, uh, you okay. could probably iron some things out. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. When All right. Yeah. 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 
Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Really appreciate it. No problem. Have a good day, guys. Okay, you. you too. All right, ciao. Bye. Bye. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. Appreciate you guys so much. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Tom Davis to see all the things that are going on and all the fun stuff that I do with my mustache uh, stories in my filter. <laughs> Just kidding, but seriously. Australia, we're coming for you in November. I'm so excited to come over with my friend Forrest Mickey. All of the information we're, uh, is in the link in the description. There's three different dates, three different cities, Melbourne, Sydney, and, or Central Coast, and Brisbane. Um, this is a good podcast about two dogs that have got along and then got into a scuffle and now they're not. Uh, it's also good about the dog that got into this scuffle is a 120 pound Doberman that also is insecure. So how do we build secure, how do we build confidence and, and more security in with a dog that's nervous about things? Also, when we go out for walks, the dog is like fearful of other dogs. And so, and how do we deal with that? And so that's what this podcast is about. I appreciate you guys very much. If you guys have questions and you're listening to this podcast, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and your question and I'll answer it at the end of the podcast. So at the end of the podcast, I answer three questions, uh, almost every podcast. So make sure you listen to the very end to get more dog training information. Enjoy the podcast. The end of the podcast means questions from listeners. The first one comes from an essential dog owner. Hi, Tom. Firstly, I'm very glad to have discovered this podcast. It's a fun listen. Second, I have two chihuahuas and two Chihuahua Chinese crested mixes, six pounds. My boyfriend and I love to entertain and have people over and when our dogs can be part of that, but they are const- there there are constantly a few people that who really seem to have a difficult time respecting our dog's boundaries because they're small and I have a friend who constantly picks up my shy but very tolerant male and jostles him around and holds him in her lap even when he is actively trying to escape. I always gently intervene and advocate for my dog, but it's at the point where I'm avo- avoiding inviting her over now. Is there a way to drive the point home for dogs um, that they're actually real dogs, not just small, you know, whatever? I'm going to start uh, biting my ha- biting my house guests if they don't stop picking up my dogs. That's funny. I think, to be honest with you, like if it's a really big problem and like you want to entertain, um, I think the best thing to do is maybe just put your mail away um, because it sounds like your mail doesn't, isn't like the overly friendly. I want to be in everyone's business. I want to be in everyone's lap dog anyway. So I think if you, you know, gave your dog a nice walk before friends came over at seven and then just put your dog in the other room with something to do, I think that that would be an option. Um, but then also just, you know, having that, I know that you've had that conversation with your dog, <clears throat> your friend about your dog, but I think just giving them the reason why you don't. So if you tell somebody, hey, I don't want you to do this with the dog. They immediately look past that. They have the uh, consistency of just being like, oh no, it's fine. But if you tell them like, hey, if you pick up my dog, it's causing my dog to have insecurity issues. Like giving them the reason why you don't want your dog picked up is is the driving force why it might work. If you just say like, hey, my dog doesn't really like getting picked up, they will then take that as an invitation of a challenge. That's just how dog people are. They're like, oh no, I love dogs. Your dog will be fine with me. That's, But that's not the point. You're like oh, rolling your eyes like that's not the point. What you say is, is maybe like, hey, like, you know, uh, we've been working on, and you don't have to like, you could just reiterate in a different way. Like, hey guys, we've been working on this train. Just make it simple. Hey guys, um, 
my male, whatever his name is, he's, um, we're just doing some new training with him. So everyone needs to ignore him because we found that when people pick him up that he doesn't know, he spends a couple of days like really terrified and then they go, oh, I don't want that. And then they won't pick up your dog. So that's the way to do it very, very easily. Literally everyone's in the house. Oh, Hey, how are you? Good to see you. Good. Hey, everyone just like with the mail, don't, don't look at him and don't pick him up. We're working on this new training because we have found that if people pick him up and he, if people pick him up, he spends a couple days, you know, locked up in his room or something like give them a reason of what it does to the dog versus because when you tell somebody not to do something with your dog, it's you against them, not against your dog. So if you make it about your dog versus what you want, it'll hit home. That's my suggestion. That's a four-star review from a central dog owner. Next one comes from a bunch of explanation points and money signs and everything. Five-star review. Thank you so much. You're the best. Love what you do. Want to make it quick. I'm having a bit a hard time moving into obedience. Like you said, with level one to two, with no strangers around, I have no problems. Is it more exposure to the things he doesn't like? He's an intact working line lab. Um, yeah, it's more, it's, it's a blend of things. I think, you know, one to two would be inside your house and then two would be, excuse me, outside of the home in the driveway, in the backyard. Uh, and that's where that blend happens. You just have to make sure that your durations, uh, of how long you're doing your obedience is, is realistic. So what a lot of people do is they do five minute downstays inside or five minute heel patterns inside or whatever. And they go outside and try to do the five minutes. Make sure you go back down to one and then you build up to five in level two. And then when you go to level three, when you're out basically walking in real life, same thing. You're not going to do five minute heels outside in a level three. You have to go back down to one and then build yourself back up. So that's my answer. Good question. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the five-star review. Next thing comes from Sam0915, five-star review. Uh, we have enjoyed listening to your episodes and continue to listen to older shows you've done. It's educational and helpful. Your down-to-earth, no-judgment approach is also on point. Five-plus stars. Thank you. You mentioned in one of your shows that two male dogs who fight once have a high chance of being hab- habitual. Yeah, so being habitual. Okay, sorry. And needs to keep them separate or rehome one. Is this the case for female dogs? I have a three. I have three dogs, oldest is a male border collie, 10 year old pug, three year old female mix, husky, shepherd, chow, rescue. The two females begin fighting unknown to us for a bit. Once we became aware and found it was, it was, it was very heightened and excitable times. That's when the fighting happened. We have been working on correcting with a trainer, but still constantly we have to stay aware that it could happen again. I think just in general, just to interrupt this question, if you have dogs that have fought in the past, you're always going to be hyper aware. That's never going to change. Even if they don't fight for two years, you're always going to have this thing in the back of your head because it happened before. It's just how it goes. They coexist, back to the question, they coexist with us, guiding them and redirecting them. Females are spayed. Pug, we think, wasn't f- what? Pug, we think it wasn't fully successful two years ago. Two, two a year, she behaves like she's in heat. Two times a year, she behaves like she's in heat. Kali is neutered and pays no mind to them. Would be grateful for your feedback, Sam. Yeah, I just think, Sam, um, it's not always the case. I, I've just, I've just, I always say that if two dogs have fought, there's a, there is a chance that they are never going to be the same again, just like we talked about in this podcast. Um, but I think it, it's not always the case. And I think to answer your question about like, 
you're always going to be mindful and nervous about them potentially fighting again is never going to go away. You're just trying to look at uh, the amount of time and the amount of uh, days that you've gone without them, without them being nervous and without them being, um, or I'm sorry, without them being getting into a fight. So I think it's just, I think it's just a matter of time uh, before, you know, you get to a point where you have to just make a decision to say like, okay, they haven't fought. And in two weeks, you know, we're on a better path. Um, but you also have to like, look at the realities of, you know, why they're fighting, you know, are they fighting for realistic things? Are they fighting because there's food? Are they fighting because, um, you know, there's bones in the ground? Are they fighting? I mean, you got to like be realistic with why they're fighting. Are they fighting randomly? That's a, that's a, you know, when, when dogs are just fighting because they don't like each other versus fighting over food, balls, toys, possessions, those are two different arguments. Those are two different things. Like in this podcast that you heard earlier, we were throwing balls with one another and the two males got into it. And now they kind of have a thing towards one another and they have to straighten that out. So I think the answer really depends on how often the fights happen and also uh, what they're fighting about. Um, and I think the distinction is, is it random or is it for a reason? Because if it's for a reason, at least you know that the dogs are fighting for a reason versus just <laughs> literally like, um, you know, just going after each other because they don't like each other. If they don't like each other and that's the case, then yeah, it's going to be hard for your for your dogs to get back together on, on the same page. So uh, anyway... I hope that that helps. I appreciate everybody for listening. Australia, get your tickets now, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.